0: Chris Beal had a secret, and he came to a point where he realized as long as he kept his secret a secret, that was affecting
1: his marriage and his spiritual life. All the things that God wanted to do in my life wouldn't happen until I had the courage to bring what was in the dark into the light. There's something about bringing it into the light, confessing it to another person and praying for each other, that brings an exposure and a healing. And the moment I took that step was the beginning of radical healing in my own heart.
0: This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We'll learn about Chris Beal's secret today and how it almost destroyed his marriage. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. We have a couple with us today who some of our listeners will recognize them because uh, their story, uh, they've shared it on Family Life Today before. It's been shared as a part of the Stepping Up video series. And it's a great story of beauty coming from ashes.
2: It is indeed. And we have the author of the book, Rebuilding a Marriage Better Than New... Cindy Beal. Cindy, welcome back to the broadcast.
3: It's
0: great
2: to be here. Thanks for having me. And her husband, Chris. Welcome back to you as well.
0: We are excited. We love you guys. Now, Chris, you didn't have anything to do with the book, but we nope. let you tag along anyway. Uh,
1: I, if it weren't for me, the book would have been possible. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, true. Yeah, well, well, we'll
2: determine that in a minute, no doubt about that. They live in Oklahoma City. And um, we just need to point out that that is the home of the Thunder, the
0: enemies of <laughs> arch enemies,
2: Bob Lupine San Antonio yes. Spurs.
0: Go Spurs, go!
2: <laughs> and less of an enemy today because of Correct. defections on your team Correct. in previous previous years. I've received a phone call, I think about two weeks ago, from a friend who said, "I've got this couple who are going through a time in their marriage. They have just discovered some." Lies, deceit, Mm -hmm. betrayal, and they need help. What would you point them to? And of course, we've got a lot of broadcasts that talk about great stories of redemption, God sized stories Mm -hmm. of how God worked in people's lives. And Bob, I know you know this because you know their story as well. The Beals. have been married since 93. They have three teenage sons, and their story is one of the classics on Family Life Today in terms of God showing up and truly not only redeeming but reconciling their marriage.
0: And if our listeners would like to hear the complete story of what brought your marriage to the brink, they can go to our website, familylifetoday.com, and listen to the interviews we've done with you. But Chris, it's rooted in you— growing up with the exposure to pornography that Correct. led led you to some dark places right
1: eight years old I saw the first pornographic image and uh, for the next 20 years was uh, a prisoner uh, in one form of another to that struggle and in 2002 uh, we were invited to be a part of life Church in Oklahoma City and we came and at that moment I really feel like this was kind of a do-over because I had an enormous amount of baggage, an enormous amount of of lifestyle, moral failures, and, and honestly, multiple affairs prior to us moving to Oklahoma City.
2: That weren't really known to anyone.
1: Correct. Yeah, it was a total double life. And Cindy knew something wasn't right in her marriage, didn't know exactly what that meant or what it looked like. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that I was a master deceiver of myself and other people to keep those worlds separate. Um, But it was when we came to Life Church that it really seemed like, okay, God, we thought we were coming to be the next, you know, worship leader at this church. And the reality was God brought us there to heal us. And that starts with the exposure of what the sin was. And Cindy, for you, that exposure came out
0: of the blue one morning when your husband came home from work unexpectedly and said, we need to talk, you had no idea what was coming.
3: I had no idea. As he began to unfold the things he just shared with you, the pornography addiction, the infidelity, as he began to say all those things, things just started happening in my mind. Of course, instant desperation, despair, everything terrible you can imagine that you could think I thought it, but at the same time was, oh, it's making sense now. Because it, was, it wasn't it was our entire nine years of marriage leading up to this point. It was about a two-and-a-half-year period of really intense difficulty. And so it was a total shock. I would never have imagined that he would have gone this far, this deep, into such a wretched place.
2: And you knew at that point that something was missing in your marriage. You just couldn't say, this is it. But all of a sudden, it was disclosed.
3: Absolutely. And for me, I remember during that two-and-a-half-year period, I felt very alone where we were in our church. My husband was the worship pastor and the the youth pastor. And so I really—people looked to me, so who am I going to talk to? I just—it was really a lonely place for me. So I became very well acquainted with my Heavenly Father. He became everything to me. And I remember just praying, God, something's wrong, something's wrong. And I just remember him saying, trust me. Trust me. And so I believe that had we not come to Oklahoma, been a part of Life Church under Craig and Amy Groeschel, that we might not have survived this.
1: I remember seeing a book that was always next to Cindy's chair during her quiet times of the morning during those two and a half years that I was living this double life, and it was The Power of a Praying Wife. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, looking back, my wife was praying God's Word— over my life in the period that I was the most prodigal that I've ever been. And I know we're gonna get to this, but I truly believe where we are today, there's so many things, how the church responded, partly how I responded, but I I believe it all started with the fact that I had a wife that was praying in in the darkest place of my, my rebellion. My wife was praying and believing God's word and speaking promises over my life that ultimately... I became those prayers.
2: Family Life is known as an organization for bringing practical, biblical help and hope to couples. And I just have to say, what you two modeled as you faced this deep, dark valley of despair, how you modeled repentance, Chris, and how you modeled grace and forgiveness and steadfast commitment to move forward in your marriage, and how the church offered healing and how they helped restore. First of all, Chris, you two are right standing before God, but then secondly, restore your marriage and your family. So much so when I saw you a few moments ago and we said hi, I gave you both a hug because I, I said, you're still standing. You're right. back. Right, And that really should be the greeting of all sinners to one another. You're back. You're still in the fight. You know, you're still attempting to follow Christ. We're all broken. And I would just encourage listeners, because we're not going to continue to unpack all the details of what they did in the previous broadcast. Go listen to that broadcast that they did. But what I want to unpack is how God met you in that deep wound and brought deep healing.
0: And Cindy, that started that morning when your husband comes home. He is transparent about everything that's gone on. You find out about multiple affairs. You find out that he has fathered a son who's living in another state. This is all new to you. And you had two big questions right in front of you that day. The first one was, how do we handle this in the short term? Because the news is going to come out that the worship pastor at the big church in town He's not the worship pastor anymore, and we got to figure out what we do with that. But then, do I even stay married to this man? There's a biblical case that can be made for you to say, we're done here. I'm moving on.
3: Yeah, and that, honestly, as much as I loved him, I literally thought, I don't think my heart can take this. I think... It would be best to just cut my losses, move back to Texas. I just have one child. I can manage being a single mom. I started immediately. I'm a planner. I'm proud of being a planner, but <laughs> sometimes it gets me going on the wrong track and I start planning and not including God in the scenario. But I I'm telling you, I began thinking what what am I going to do? And so, just thinking, I didn't, just because I didn't leave our marriage at the time, we were still living in the same house, and mainly because we couldn't afford to do anything different. I just felt like the father was like, um, hello, <laughs> I'm still here. Are you going to ask me about this? Mm. And sure enough, I was like, okay, God, what do you think I should do? And I just kept asking that question. And I just remember him saying, remember when you said you would do anything to bring me glory? And I was like, Well, yeah, but I was meaning easier things like, you know, something simpler. So God just began to stir in me. And through a long series of events that I wrote about in my first book, I talk about how God met me. And he spoke the word to me about staying the course and trusting in him and trusting him for the vision that he would unfold. And so three weeks later, I said, "Okay, God, I trust you because I certainly didn't trust him. And I had to trust my Heavenly Father. He is the only one 100% trustworthy. And so that was the beginning of that. So it was
0: a three-week period, basically, mm-hmm. from the time you heard this until you said, okay, yep. I'm going to stick with it. And Correct. was was I'm going to stick with it? Was that I'm in this till the end? Or was this I'll stick with it for six more months and see what happens?
3: It was for the end, it was till the end. So Habakkuk 2, three says, For the vision is yet for the appointed time, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And that was the scripture that I had been basically begging God for. I just didn't know it was going to be through a minor prophet of a name that most people can't pronounce. And certainly we don't read about him. I mean, it's Habakkuk. But God spoke to me through that. And that's what I have stood on for 15 years.
2: And so I just want you to unpack what gave you the courage during that three-week process to take that step of faith to move toward healing. You've mentioned you had a relationship with God and you had a heart that was open, teachable, willing to do what God asked you to do. What else did he bring your way to make that a reasonable step of faith?
3: Well, he brought people. There was a couple that really walked with us. They had already experienced infidelity in their marriage like 20 years prior. And so they were with us. They were walking through it with us and encouraging us. And one of the pastors on the team, as I was that three week period, I kept, as I said, I'm a planner and I wanted to kind of know what the rest of my life would look like, which is a ludicrous thing. But I was thinking, I need to know. I need to know. And he just looked at me and he said, Cindy, you don't have to decide the rest of your life today. And so that thought kind of carried me each day until I knew that I had heard from God to stay in my marriage because there were people with opinions everywhere. Anybody can give you an opinion. Well, you need to leave. Once a cheater, always a cheater. He's going to do this again. And there's so many things. You heard that from Christians? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. And, you know, had I not gone through something like this, I can't say I wouldn't have thought the same thing. We're, we shoot our wounded as Christians, sadly. But trying to not decide the rest of my life for that season really did help me mm. and take those steps. I
2: want to point out three things here real quickly. First of all, you had counsel to hang in there, people who had been wounded themselves. And secondly, they shared their own wounds with you, which had been adultery, Mm -hmm. a lack of faithfulness. And I'm thinking of a couple, Bob, that you and I both know who have been very open about an error that— the husband made in their relationship and their marriage has now been used to literally touch hundreds of other couples, both here in America and internationally, as they're willing to open their hearts and admit something that is really kind of ugly, right. you know, and we kind of are repulsed by it. And so I just want to say to those listeners who have this as a part of your past, I'm not encouraging you to boast about it. But I am encouraging you to boast about God's redemption, His reconciliation, and how He brings hope where there is despair. Because there are listeners who are listening to us right now who are despairing and who need hope. And that's the third thing that you mentioned, Cindy. I just want to underline, you were willing to admit, you didn't know what your future held, but you were willing to step out in faith. And I think it was... Martin Luther King, I believe, who made this statement, faith is taking the first step on the staircase without being able to see all the other steps. Mm. And I like that because you took that first step on a staircase, you didn't know where it was going to lead
3: you. Absolutely. I kind of picture God's hands under my feet, and one foot's on one hand, and then it's there when I step. (laughs) And then the next one, it's not ready until I lift. It's this ever progressing thing that I'm on with God.
0: The river doesn't part uh, until you step into the water. That's right. right. And those who are standing on the shore waiting for the Jordan River to part, no, you got to step in the water before God does that work. What's going on with you in this three week period while she's trying to decide,
1: do I stay or do I go? So I obviously want the marriage... To survive. I mean, desperately. But the, here's the thing. Well, now, wait a second. That's not necessarily obvious. There some, are some guys who are yeah. ready for it to be over okay. at that point. Well, the context of my struggle was not fueled by a lack of intimacy at home. It was not fueled by the fact that I didn't really like Cindy all that much. I mean, in, in our scenario, I had a deep emptiness in my heart. Here's the thing. I have struggled since I was a kid feeling like I was a failure. Do I measure up? And I love my wife. And I know my actions don't show that. But she was my best friend. I would choose to spend time with her. The thing is, I allowed this this sense of inadequacy to need to be medicated. And so what happened was, in a weird way, these images on a screen momentarily made me feel a little bit more like a man. Hmm. And then I felt less of a man. So it it creates this spiral and this cycle of darkness. The relationship with other women was the fact that I don't like who I am, but this other person is drawn to me or likes me. And and that's – ultimately, I'm trying to medicate my own internal emptiness. And it was just a deep, dark place that I was trying to heal it through everyone other than the source of that healing, which is God. Right. So as Cindy is going through this process of, do I want to stay? Do, is this marriage going to work? I deeply wanted that to work. But what I wanted even more, I wanted to be free because I've been a prisoner for most of my life. I've been a prisoner of sin. I've been a prisoner Of habitual behaviors that for whatever reason, I just can't seem to break out of. And as much as I want my marriage to work, I have nothing to offer Cindy and I have nothing to offer my boys unless I am walking in freedom. Mm -hmm. I was desperate. This is my shot and I want to be free. And so there was really two things that were significant in those early days for me. One is that I allowed myself to let my heart break for what I had done to the heart of God and what I had done to the heart of the people that I love the most. Paul talked about the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. He writes this letter to the Corinthians. He says, I'm not sorry that what I said brought you sorrow, for godly sorrow uh, leaves no regret and brings about repentance. Repentance is a military term that really, it's literally an about face. It's like, I'm going to turn 180 degrees from the direction I'm going And I'm going to turn completely to God. But worldly sorrow is really more of a, I'm inconvenienced by the consequence of my sin. Mm -hmm. And that leads, Paul says, to death. And so I just let my heart break. And I was a puddle of emotion for quite some time. And I think that process was extremely necessary for me to go through. It wasn't that I was putting condemnation and shame on myself, but I was allowing my heart to break for what broke the heart of God.
0: You, you were at a crossroads, and I've, I've met guys at this crossroads, and you had been successfully managing your sin for two and a half years. Correct. You'd been playing this so that you're the only one who knows, and uh, you're, you're maneuvering your way through it. Now you're at a point where, do I keep trying to manage this, or do I mortify it? Right. Which means to put it to death. I heard one guy describe it this way: It's like a a rabid dog that you keep in a cage over in the corner of the house, and go, well, as long as he's in the cage, he can't hurt me, mm-hmm. and I'll get it out every once in a while and play with it, and then put it back in the cage. Well, that dog gets bigger and sicker, and one of these days is going to kill you, right? So the thing you got to do with the dog is you got to kill the dog, right? And and you were at that crossroads where. I cannot manage this anymore. I got to put this to death. And I'm imagining, Chris, even in that moment, you don't even know your own heart. Do I really want to put this to death? Or I'm where I am and I feel bad and this will last for a while and then I'll be right back to it.
1: Right. On a Monday morning, I'm sitting in a staff meeting with Craig Gershell, who's my boss, and I can't say enough about how God used this man in our marriage. And he made a comment in that staff meeting, and he said to our team that it is our private integrity that gives us the ability to minister publicly. So we have to keep it clean. Mm. We have to. The stakes are so high. And he said, if you're walking in sin, it's going to find you out. Confess it, and you'll find grace. And that was on a Monday. I had been at that church for six weeks with this looming cloud of, I'm going to get found out. And that was on a Monday. It was on a Tuesday that I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I just really believed that all the things that God wanted to do in my life wouldn't happen until I had the courage to bring what was in the dark into the light. James, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. This whole time that I was in sin, I would drive home from having sinned and I'm confessing to God. Mm -hmm. God, heal me. Please don't let me ever do this again. There's not a scripture in the Bible that says confess to the Lord for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness, but there's something about bringing it into the light, confessing it to another person Mm -hmm. and praying for each other that brings an exposure and a healing. And the moment I took that step was the beginning of radical healing in my own heart.
3: I kind of equate it to... He got to the point that Tuesday morning that he wanted freedom so desperately that he was willing to risk everything to get it, including our marriage. And I know that you've got listeners right now, listening to this right. broadcast. And they are in a world of hurt and sick in bondage, and they don't hate their sin enough. And when we come to the place where we hate it enough, we'll do anything to find freedom. And so hopefully somebody listening can take that step today.
2: And Chris mentioned freedom, and I immediately thought of uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. There are undoubtedly listeners right now who are listening, and, and they have never really met Jesus Christ and understood his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, his redemption that he offers people to step out of the prison they're in and be set free. Right. I would just challenge you, if you're in this situation now, it may be time for you to settle things with God. Chris was talking about settling things with the person you've offended. It may be important for you to, first of all, settle the issues with the God you've offended. Then secondly, after that relationship has been established, because that's what the Christian life is, it's beginning a journey of following Christ Not perfectly, but you're following the perfect Savior who now lives in you. And then go to your spouse. And there's where, as a couple, you have to embrace the same Jesus Christ who set you free. And you have to express forgiveness to one another. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about forgiving one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's your command. And forgiveness means you give up the right to punish the other person. I wish you could see Cindy's Hmm. nodding head right now. She's smiling and nodding. She had to repeatedly give up the right to punish
0: Chris. The verse I'm thinking of that the two of you have modeled in this whole story is Ephesians 5.11 that says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And that's what you guys chose to do, and this week we'll get a chance to follow you on that journey and and hear how God was at work in both of your lives as you moved forward. In fact, Chris and Cindy have shared the story in a book that Cindy's written called Rebuilding a Marriage Better Than New, and we've got copies of the book in our Family Life Today Resource Center. Go online at familylifetoday.com if you'd like to get a copy or call 1-800-FL-TODAY to receive a copy. Again, the website is familylifetoday.com. You can order online or you can call to order at 1-800-358-6329, 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. And again, I'll mention that on our website, we've got a short video clip where you guys share your story. Uh, Listeners may want to view that and they may know somebody they'd like to pass that clip on to. Again, you'll find it at familylifetoday.com. Well, this is the home stretch week for us here at uh, Family Life. It's the last week of August, and uh, we just have a few days left to hear from listeners if we're going to be able to take full advantage of the matching gift opportunity that was extended to us back at the beginning of the month. We had a, a friend of the ministry who came along and agreed he would match every donation we received this month on a dollar-for-dollar basis up to a total of $800,000. Now, those matching funds— will enable us to be able to reach more people more often with this radio program, through our website, through our events and our resources. You can help extend the reach of this ministry by making a donation and having your donation be effectively doubled because of the matching gift opportunity. But you need to do it before the end of the month, and the end of the month is this week. So today's a good day to go to FamilyLifeToday.com and make an online donation. Or call to donate at 1-800-FL-TODAY. Or you can mail your donation to us at Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas. And our zip code is 72223. And please do pray that uh, we would get the necessary funds this week and be able to take full advantage of that match. We appreciate you. And we hope you can join us back tomorrow. We're going to continue to follow Chris and Cindy Beal as they take us through the process they've been through in rebuilding a broken marriage. Hope you can join us back tomorrow for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today, hope for tomorrow.